to the show. This is your host, Lamont Patterson, along with my esteemed colleague, Dr. Matthew Anderson. And you listen to Can I Play a Play? And I thought that song was perfect for the topic of today's show. How about that? What do you think, Matthew? I think that was a great song. I think you always pick some good ones. Perfect. <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of people out there that shopping, but you know they're not buying anything. So, you know, I guess that's what we're talking about. You know, are they ready to take that other big step? I think it's a good topic to talk about. I, you know, I marriage is an amazing kind of mystery to most people, and a lot of people think you get married and all of a sudden you get changed by the marriage itself. And I've been telling people for years that is not really what happens. What happens is two people, what they bring to the relationship and put that together is what they create. It's not marriage that does that. It's the people who marry each other. So I I thought it would be fun today if we talked about two related subjects. One is, are you marriage material? I got a test here with just 16 questions that people can answer. And that's, that's a a way of looking at yourself and saying, am I ready to do the thing? And then the second one will have to do with um, how do you thrive in marriage? Do you have what it takes to make that happen? So we're going to take people all the way from considering it to getting into it to surviving and thriving in it. And Go ahead. I was just I was going to say that's uh, very interesting. So let's just make sure the callers have our number, which is six four six nine two nine two eight seven zero. And if you want to join or ask Matthew a question anytime, please just press number one on your phone, and uh, we'd be glad to hear from you. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see if anybody wants to take this test. It's it's a hard test to pass. <laughs> well, I don't know. Kind of, kind of sound like you might have it rigged there, Matthew. But anyway, uh, well, shoot. Let, let us hear what questions. you got. Well, I just want to say one thing first, and that is, you know, everybody knows that currently the divorce rate and has been that way for quite a while. It's about fifty percent, and yet people still get married. They got a one in two chance, and. What's really interesting to me Why do you is think that, that is, Matthew? Why do you think well, it's only I'm so 50%? happy you asked that question. <laughs> I'm so happy you asked that question. Well, I just asked that because, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, and, you know, um, it's like a lot of people don't even really know why they get married. You know, I know there's mm-hmm. a multitude of reasons, but only a couple real reasons, but... You know, society got people a little twisted now. So, go on. I won't interrupt you again. No, yes, you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> That's fine. I, I know me. it, but it sounded good for me to say. <laughs> it does sound good. <laughs> got my hopes up there for about a half a second. No, it's okay if you interrupt me. So, so here's the thing. Um, the statistics, some research I read a few years ago said that. Almost 90% of Americans get married at least once in their lives. So, I mean, that's like 9 out of 10 of us are getting married. Half of us then get divorced. And I think one of the major reasons is we just plain aren't prepared. You know, it, you people do more preparation to get ready to take their driver's license test than they do the before they get married. In fact, I don't even think there is a. I have to disagree with test. you. I, I have to disagree with you on that one again, man. Because I hear Already? women all the time, man. They take six months, man, to figure out what kind of dress they're gonna wear. <laughs> We're gonna get calls about that. That's bad. That's bad. That's not getting ready. That's getting ready for the party. But to get ready for, you know, nobody goes out and gets any training for it before they do it. They just think, well, we get a rabbi or minister or justice of the peace or somebody, and they say, okay, here you are. You you say the vows, give me a few bucks, and then you're married. And they think, okay, now I'm ready. But my experience is, and I've been working with couples. I saw my first couple that I ever saw in in counseling um, 
It was in 1970, so that's been a long time, man. I've seen a lot of them. And the problem is usually, I would say you could put it in two categories. The problem is immaturity and then lack of communication skills. And if you put those two things together, you got a mess, a true mess. It's just unbelievable what we do. And, of course, I've been one of those people, so, you know, I'm not talking from – above anything today i've been through it and the first time i got married i was 21 how old were you 20 oh my god you're ahead of me and what do we know what did i know when i was 21 i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> i didn't know a thing i was doing that was like okay i'm getting married what am i going to do next <laughs> oh boy you know how i know you're telling the truth because when I got when I got married, they were telling me that we were going to be getting all these uh, household and, and and wedding presents and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it never dawned on me that these were household gifts. I thought it was shit for me. <laughs> you thought it was all for you. Well, you know, I'm thinking presents. You know, I'm thinking about good stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm not thinking about. I'm not thinking about exactly. I'm not talking thinking about toasters and and pots yeah. and pans and uh-huh. junk like that. Well, it, totally. it's a, no, we don't think too much, and then we go out and do it, and then it's a big deal, and a lot of us. Well, let's let's go through the 16 questions. You ready for those? Yeah, I'd like to hear what you got. I'd like to hear what our, our listeners got to say about your questions. Now, okay, that'll be good because I just want to warn people. These, these are not easy questions, okay? I'm going to say most people who take this quiz are not going to pass it, but I think it would save them a lot of grief if they would really give it some serious one. So here's the test. Are you marriage material? Question number one is are you a grown-up? That's the first question, because marriage requires two adults. And if either partner is not adult, you got a problem. You're not going to be ready. And we, might need to do, we might need to identify what, what, what is considered to be an adult. Because I know everybody thinks they're an adult, but they don't. They're not very reasonable or rationalized things. So let's talk about that for a second. We go on that because everybody okay. thinks they're an adult. So what would you think would qualify them to be one of these two people? Well, I I think of an adult as a person who is emotionally mature enough, um, mentally emotionally mature enough to take responsibility for their lives. You know, they're not running around looking for, to be dependent on other people. They can provide for themselves. They can um, make decisions. They can not be run all the time by their emotions. They can uh, pay their bills on time. They can get up in the morning and go to work or to school or whatever they need to do without whining and bitching about it. I mean, that's sort of going in the right direction. Would you add something to that definition? No, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what a real adult is. And we know if we say, hey, you're being childish, we, we have a pretty good idea about that. Or we say, hey, you're acting like an adolescent, we have a pretty good idea about that. It's I'm, I'm not talking about some deep psychological interpretation of that. I'm talking about just the basic meat and potatoes idea. I'm an adult and I act like one, live like one, I get up, I take a shower every day, I go to work, you know, I do the normal adult things. And if I got problems with those, that's a problem. From if you're thinking about marriage in particular. So that's number one, are you a grown up? Number two question and remember, this is, are you marriage material? Number two question is, are you truly in love with your partner? Now, I think that being truly in love with one's partner and one's partner being truly in love with you is a basic requirement for a good marriage. 
And I know, as you're probably going to say in just a second, because I'm reading your mind, that a lot of people get married <laughs> for other reasons. Yeah, you are. You're thinking that. That's what you're thinking. You're thinking, I know there's other reasons. I'm saying, if you, if, and I do this with couples a lot of times, or people who are talking to me privately, and they say, you know, I'm ready to get married. And so I say, well, are you in love with your partner? If they really hesitate, answer's no. Answer's no. And how come they can't be thinking about all the reasons that they are in love with their partner and that causes the hesitation? Okay, if they came up with that, I would give them another chance. <laughs> if you said, wait a minute, Matthew, I was just thinking about I'd say, okay, tell me a reason. Well, if, reasons. if they say, if they say, wait a minute, Matthew, then you're going to give them F anyway because they told you to wait a minute. No, no, I'll give them a chance. i give them a chance. I'm not just all hard butt like that, you know. If it was a lot you, of people would that question. A lot of people were like, "Well, let me see. You know, I, I love her for like nine different reasons, so that would okay, cause a hear. moment of hesitation." Well, I'm just yeah, saying, if, theoretically, a, pe- a pe- person might have more than one reason for they love their see, partner. See, I told you you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, I told you you were going to say that. All right, <laughs> you did. There might be. But really and truly, if somebody says they hesitate, and I say, well, if you, that's probably a no, and then they say, you know, I was just thinking of all the reasons. I say, great, let me hear what they are. That sounds good. I go for that. So okay. number two is, are you truly in love with your partner? Number three, can you honestly admit when you are wrong? That is a very big part of being able to make a a meaningful relationship last. So many people have a hard time admitting when they're wrong. And, you know, we're all human beings and we make mistakes. And it is crucial if you're going to have a marriage that works, that person can say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I did. I made a mistake and I'm sorry about it. So many people end up in marriage counseling because somebody can't do that. They always want to blame the other person, and that's a that's a that's one of the I think if we're grown up a mature person that that's one of our characteristics too is can you honestly admit when you're wrong that's a really important one. What do you think about that one? Well, that's good, but my my second part to that is once you've admitted that you're wrong, can you honestly correct whatever that was sincerely? Or are you just saying that you're going to fix whatever that was just to say it? I think that ought to be 3B because that's a good point. So 3A is can you honestly admit when you're wrong? And 3B would have to be what you said, which is now can you do something about it in a meaningful way to fix it? That that's really shows your partner that you really are showing up and you're not, you're not playing. You're serious that you, you want this thing to work because – you're right. Sometimes people just say they're wrong, and then they say they're wrong over and over and over again. Then they go back and do the same thing they did before. That doesn't work. Yeah, because they didn't mean it. They didn't mean it. That's you right. Know. That's why yeah. some people just some people um, they use that word love. Sometimes I think people use it too loosely. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it's just like I love you, 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 I love you. I mean, but you know, coming from certain guys, it really don't mean nothing. You know what I mean? It's just uh-huh. I'm just saying it to shut you up or um, get you out of my face right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, I made a mistake, and that you're exactly right. They they say it so that they can try to get out from under it and change the subject and get on. So they then they go back to the same behavior. No, that doesn't work. Because when I say honestly admit when you're wrong, I mean like it's an honest statement. I really get that I am, and and what's implied in that is I like to fix it. I want to do something to fix it. So that's number three. Number four is number four and number five are very closely related. Number four is can you consistently open your heart and love your partner? Now, since marriage is from my perspective, the kind of marriage I'm talking about here, marriage is essentially about love and it requires an open heart. And can number four is, can you consistently open your heart and love your partner? Let the, your love for that person come out and really touch your partner. Can you communicate that to your partner in a meaningful way from a heart, heart space? 
can you really share that? That's a kind of a daily thing that if a person can do, it makes a massive difference in, in a relationship. And some people just get stuck in that thing called, well, you know, I show you by doing certain things. Like I show you my love by uh, going to work and bringing home the bacon. And you know what? You can go I to the store you and buy every bacon. Day. I cook your food every day. What more you want? Mm-hmm. Well, you can get a you can get a maid to do that, right? If you got some money, Matthew, that's right. But I think I think we skipped over some things, though. If you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the communication part because I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have areas right there problems in that area in communication. People uh-huh. tend to talk more at each other instead of to each other. And I think we might need to speak a little bit how to improve one's communication skills. Okay, I, I think that would be a good idea. Um, I, can we do that after 16 questions? Because I'll never get through them if I get sidetracked on that one. That's such a big topic. Oh, sorry. Would that be okay with you? I'll come back to it, I promise. All right. Okay. So can you consistently open your heart to love your partner is number four. Number five is can you honestly open your heart and allow love in? We love, but we also receive love. We give love, we receive love. That's four and five. Can you open your heart and give love to your partner, and can you open your heart then and allow it in? Can you allow your partner's love to make a difference in your life? That's a that's a really important thing, and a lot of people are interesting. You know, the one partner will say, "I love you, I appreciate you," and they kind of deflect that and they don't let it in. And that's about the best thing your partner's got to give them, and you got to receive it. So that's an important one. That is uh, number five. Number six is: Do you see your partner as an equal? Marriage is about equality, and if one person sees another as superior or inferior to them, we got a power imbalance. We got a problem, and that could be taught. That one question right there: Do you see your partner as an equal? Could be discussed for a whole conversation. I mean, I I, I work with couples a lot about that issue, and you know, it's just really, really important, and. It, it could. It doesn't mean that if you make more or less money than your partner, you're not equal. The point is, is how do you think about it? How do you feel about it? Do you see that person as equal? So that's number six. Number seven is pretty simple. Can you say I love you out loud regularly and mean it? Now, this is a marriage readiness test. Are you marriage material? My attitude is if a person cannot say out loud regularly, I love you and mean it. Forget it. Don't even get started. I mean, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're still like, you're not even marriage 101 yet. So that's number seven. Number eight. Oh, boy, this is a big one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm, listening. Okay. Can you accept your partner exactly the way she or his now and not try to change them? That's a real big one. Sure is. Does anybody do that? You what? Can anybody do that? <laughs> I think pretty much, you know, pretty much the way we need to be is, you know, I love you the way you are. I really hope you don't change because I like you the way you are. And a lot of people, you know, marriage for them is an opportunity to change somebody. You know, you're pretty good, but I'll really fix you. You know, you just listen to me. I'll get you in good shape. And that causes a lot of grief. So can you accept your partner exactly the way she or his now and try not try to change them? That's number eight. Number nine, can you regularly listen to your partner with compassion and understanding? Listening to one's partner is really important. Really hearing who that person is and what they have to say on some regular basis. So can you regularly listen? Number 10, can you be trusted? I, you know, we could talk about that one for a long time, but I think most of us really understand. Can, am I a person who can be trusted in a relationship or not? The answer needs to be yes, I hope. Number 11, 
can you be trusted to never verbally or physically abuse your partner? Amazing to me how many people get in a relationship that there's already emotional abuse and sometimes physical abuse going on, and they do it anyway. And that's a really bad sign to be doing that to our partner. That's number 11. What what happens when the partner is dysfunctional and you're dysfunctional, but that's all you know? So that makes it your regular. I'm giving them your phone number. They call you up and get some help. (laughs) 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 That person, they both need some help today. They're going to call you. (laughs) Five 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 one two one two Lamont, call them up, get some help. I'm telling you, that's not good. That's really, um, that's a dysfunctional relationship. And and uh, I guarantee you, there are people listening to us right now in that kind of situation and are tolerating it, and it's unacceptable. Well, well, the reason, the reason that that's why I thought about that because we've done a show in the past where we've had we've had women to call into show and and didn't feel like um, mm-hmm. uh, their 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 counterpart loved them unless he slapped them once in a while. Well, you know, I mean, she would purposely pretty... create she would purposely create arguments just so you know he could backhand her once or twice and then they could make love. Oh my God! But you'd be surprised that to me and you, it sounds dysfunctional. But that was their regular. So, well, that's their regular dysfunctional way of showing affection. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some problems there. I don't think that's going to last too long. That's not good. That's really. I think that verbal and physical abuse have no place in a loving relationship. Obviously. And if somebody listening to this is is in a relationship where that's going on, I suggest you get professional help like tomorrow so that you can find a way to make it better or to get out. It's just life is too short to be in an intimate relationship, close, committed relationship where there's abuse, unacceptable completely. So that's number 11. Number 12 is can you affirm your partner daily? Now, there's a lot of research been done, and I think I've mentioned this on other shows recently about about this. Um, I think we might have been talking about it when Cindy Sharp was on, um, but about affirming your partner. The research says that really happy couples have at least 20 positive things to say to each other for one negative thing, and I think the ratio might be higher. But we need to be able to say positive things, communicate positive things to our partner every day. I asked somebody the other day, a guy, his wife was sitting there, and I said, how often does she say something positive to you, about you? He thought about it. He said, oh, maybe a couple, once every couple of weeks, you will. And I said, What? Once in 14 days, what are you going on in the other? He said, well, not much. And that's one of the reasons you're sitting in my office talking, because if you really love someone, don't you don't you think and feel a lot of positive things about that person? I mean, that goes together, right? I, I still think that go back to communication, too. You know, you got a lot of yeah. cats out there that have this machismo thing and uh-huh. and – and they stuck, you know, right there. And it's not that they don't legitimately feel that for their girl. They just don't verbalize it. So yeah. I'll let you finish, and then we'll go back to the community. No, no, that was a good point. I, I will mark that one. We have to come back to that because that really gets in the way for a lot of men. And what happens is if you don't communicate it, they don't get it, and then something else happens. So that's number 12. We can come back to that. It's important. Thir- 13 is can you touch your partner daily with tenderness and love without it necessarily becoming sexual? Can you touch your partner daily with tenderness and love without it necessarily becoming sexual? And what I mean is uh, too many people in this usually is a, is a man who does this, but sometimes women will do it. They make too much of their physical connection about sexuality and that erodes and gets in the way of, simple affection happening between two people. And so I'm not saying sex is a bad idea. I'm saying loving touch 
is important on a daily basis. Virginia Satir, who was uh, the grandmother of couples, I mean of um, family therapy, she died maybe 10, 12 years ago maybe. Um, She used to say that we need eight hugs a day to survive and 12 to thrive. And I thought that was a pretty pretty amazing thing the first time I ever heard it. I started counting my hugs. doesn't mean from different people. We can get it from the same person. But if you really want a marriage to work, you've got to have consistent positive physical contact. You can't live with someone, never touch them, and accept with sex and expect it to work. So that's number 13. 14 is can you make love sexually, make sexual making love with an open heart? Making love, is I'm talking about here, is not the same as just kind of having sex to get off with somebody. So it's not mutual masturbation. It is lovemaking. So can you make love sexually with an open heart? Number 15, which I think is also important, can you share your inner secrets with your partner regularly? Marriage is a place where people need to be trusting and safe and open and sharing their deepest self with that other person. So number 15, can you share your inner secrets with your partner regularly? And then finally, number 16, can you accept and perform the daily responsibilities of marriage gladly without whining or complaining? Now, what I mean by that is you got to take care of the dog, the garbage, the kids, the job, the car, the dishes, the bills, the normal stuff without whining about it. Grown-ups, going back to number one, don't bitch about that. They just do it and get on with your lives. So can you accept and perform the daily responsibilities of marriage gladly without whining or complaining? Because, you know, the reason I put that in there is because that's what, that's ordinary life. We all have to do that stuff. And if if we're having trouble with it, we're not grown up enough to get married. So that's number 16. And I, I the hard part about this test is that I say, and I'll be happy to send this list for free to anybody who wants to email me about it. If they want to email me, I'll, I'll send this list and the next one to them for free. Um, my my statement is, if you fail two of these, you better do some serious thinking about whether you're regular, ready or not. Because in my opinion, you pretty much have to get all 16 together if you're really ready to get married. And if you're not, you're not a bad person. You're just not ready yet. So which one did you have a problem with? You go and you work on it. So you and I, you want to talk to me a little bit about uh, communication, right? Yeah, I think to me that's like the root of uh, a lot of these issues. Um, And then I would even say um, people's how, I mean, the individuals, let me see how to phrase this correctly, how an individual is raised or the home and the home training that he or she has received if they came up in a in a loving environment with a male woman or uh, you know just I'm <laughs> going to touch that but in a loving family so they can see how uh, a relationship work and i think doing going growing up in a situation like that would have to help one's communication skills i think that's extremely helpful yeah, really because I, and I think, you know, guys are traditionally snake snails and puppy dog tails, and, and women have always been sugar spice, everything nice. And our role that society has put us in primarily as, you know, you're the breadwinner, you're the head of the household, and mm-hmm. these are your responsibilities. You're supposed to act like this, and even though you have a bad day, you can't come home and whine into your wife, you know, because now, you know, if you do that too often, you know, now that she's going to look, you know, he's a bitch. He's always crying on my shoulder, and I don't understand that, blah, 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 blah. So now here we go. Now we're not talking to each other no more. Now we're talking at each other. So mm-hmm. I, I think some of those communication skills, I think we need to find a way to enhance them from, you know, from both sides, really, you know, because I think that's where uh, the root of the issues are myself just my opinion no i think you're exactly right and i think that 
good communication skills are built on a person who's grown up. And, and, you know, the truth is a lot of us grew up in families where maybe they got divorced, maybe they stayed married, but they don't always have such a great – they're not always such great role models for us. And there may be some things that you Shut up. Get your ass over there. Sit up. Sit up. Shut up. Sit, get your ass over there. Sit down. Don't you see me watching the game? Yeah. You said that so naturally. Sounded just like you. <laughs> that was I'm an actor, man. Come on. Now. I see. That was good <laughs> acting, man. That was good. For but you. that to me, I don't feel like that's an effective way to communicate. But it, it happens too often in, in both ways. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I think it does communicate effectively. It communicates effectively that I don't respect you. Talk to me that way, you don't respect me. That's what it communicates, really clear. That's You nailed it. You know, it's like you want to show me that you don't communicate. I mean, you don't respect me. Communicate with me just like that. And then it's painful. It's hurtful. And don't forget, if we hurt our partner, they get us back every time. They always get us back. And it might not be directly. It could be indirectly, but... We always pay for the hurt and the disrespect that we have in relationships. And, and sometimes the, the the price is that person just kind of takes their heart away. They shut it down. And they're not there anymore. And they go through the motions, but they've been gone. And you're right. I think it's – I think the average person knows, would really say, that's not the best way to be in a relationship. I mean, that's – that's not hard, you know. I, I I know you were acting, but you did a good job of it. Well, <clears throat> like you said, uh, you know, before I was the great gentleman that I am now, I was a little young knucklehead before too, and some things I had to learn, and only life can teach you these things. But uh, I have one for you, sir. Okay. What would you suggest? To our listeners that have issues with communication, speaking to their partners, and also after that one, I want you to come back and tell them how we could be better listeners, not just hearing what I may say, but actually listening and applying to make a difference. I think that's a good question. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important is when someone is speaking to us, if we give them our full attention, when they stop talking, we will be able to respond based on what they really said, which is truly important. And the second thing is, you know, some people are being quiet when we're talking, but what they're doing is waiting on us to finish so that they can say what they want to say. And that's not good communication. That's just, well, let me get my stuff out. I think it helps communication a lot. And we're talking here about marriage in particular. When two people live together, they care about each other, it really helps the communication a lot. If we slow down and we really say to ourselves, I really want to understand what my partner is saying to me in most situations, and particularly when that partner indicates that it's important. I really want to hear. And one of the things that we can do is just a little exercise that people have been recommending for years is when someone's talking to us, we listen, and then we respond by, particularly if it's a really important subject, we respond by saying, this is what I heard you say. And we try our best to say back to them what they were telling us so that they have a sense, wow, he was really listening. He really got it. If they, if it's not what they said, then that person can correct us and say, no, I didn't mean – I got the first part right. The second part, I was saying something different. We have to put in an effort. Right. So and you wouldn't just repeat – so you wouldn't just be repeating it back to them so you could say, see how crazy that shit sounds? <laughs> I told you. Just you, ask. You sure you're asking? asking. You sure you're asking? I'm just asking. <laughs> That's good. No, that's true. And yeah, but I mean, here's the question I would have. I would ask to that person, what do you want to accomplish if you talk to your partner that way? Can't you hear how crazy that stuff sounds? I mean, 
what's the purpose of that communication except to put the other person down? It's just one more slap. Where's that going to go? I mean, if we stop and we ask ourselves that question, where's that communication go if I'm going to talk to you like that? I'm just going to listen, repeat back to you and say, can you hear how stupid that sounded? And now we've called them crazy and stupid in addition to anything else. Okay, it's well, no Joe, wonder. Blow and the, Joe Blow on the switchboard wants to know if it was some crazy shit. That's why you said it, and that's why you read it back to them so you could see if they understood what you understood. And it actually was crazy, and you didn't happen to mean to put them down. That was not your intention. You was just shining the mirror, holding up the mirror for them so they could look at it too and maybe retract something, rephrase it, and ask again. Maybe it wasn't your intention to put it to put them down. What then? I'm telling you, I'm saying if you do something like that, you better be really good at it because most people can't do that without putting their partner down. I mean, if you say it with love and compassion, maybe it would work. If you say it with an attitude, it's just going to get more attitude. Attitude See, that's what I was attitude. trying to get out of. That's what I was trying to get out of you. If you say it with love and compassion, then they won't think that it wasn't so bad what they said. Right, right. You know, like honey, you said, you know, the moon is blue, sweetheart. Do you hear that? That doesn't sound like exactly the reality, sweetie. <laughs> you say it like that. <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope you could perform that little monologue a little bit better than you did because I'd probably <laughs> slap you at that point because I know you're full of shit, too. <laughs> I would know you didn't mean a word of that. <laughs> I would mean it. If I said it, I would mean it. I would mean it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your eyes are all up in your head, looking all up in the ceiling and shit. Are you saying it? You- you have, I mean, if you're going to do what you just said to do, tell somebody what they said is totally ridiculous. I mean, you're going to have to be really sensitive about that communication. Careful, it's tender and careful. Otherwise, you're going to get get more of it. Um, but the point about listening is, we have to be present. We let our mind go in other places. We have to really care enough about our partner to really try to hear. And the more important the subject, of course, the more important it is to listen. You know, sometimes we keep, we're not always perfect at it, but the the goal is to try do it so much that our partner expects it of us. Meaning, they get they get to the point where they trust that most of the time when we're listening to them, we really are there and we're trying. And therefore, if we made a mistake every once in a while, we get the benefit of the doubt because it's a general way of being. Okay, that, so is, that it better, sense? Is, is it better just to listen and don't respond or not to get into a debate or just, you know, just listen? Which which one is the best? What's the best approach? Because I know some guys have a problem with that as well, you know, and I'm speaking for the, the men out there. They have a problem when they don't agree with something and it ends up being a debate and not that just them listening to their partner's concern. Well, remember here, now what we're trying to do is create a really satisfying, solid relationship. So, yes, I'm saying do the thing that's not so easy at first is really do try to listen to your partner. Remember who it is. I mean, this is a person – Obviously that you think you love And that you want to be with And that you hang out with You live with that person Maybe you're married to that person That's the person who's the most important person in the world to you So listen to them as if that's who they are You know It's not some drunk dude on the street Who's talking trash to you That's the person that you really care about the most So the truth of the matter is if we really do listen to our partner, a lot of argument goes away because we could say, you know, honey, I understand the first part, but I don't get the second part yet because I realize I don't even know if I can say it back to you. Tell me again. And I mean that. I'm not kidding. So when we have that kind of attitude with our partner, something special starts to happen and, and uh, there, you don't have to argue. I, I think Arguing and disagreeing 
usually it doesn't contribute to a great relationship if it goes on a lot. So that means you just got to agree all the time. But what happens nope. when you don't agree? And well, you, can you, say it as nice, you can say it as nice as you want to. So, in other words, it sounds like you're saying, well, when she's right, she's right, and when she's wrong, she's right. And we'll be happy ever after. No, that makes another – the person who's listening to that is really being patronizing. And that doesn't work either. When she's right, right she's right, and when she's wrong, she's right. No. I think it is – you just want to understand. See, part of the problem is that a lot of times people think they disagree, but if they really do understand where their partner's coming from and what's going on, maybe they don't fully disagree as much as they thought. And then if right. they really understand, they have a better way of responding that makes more sense. A lot of disagreement comes from misunderstanding, and we don't put the effort into it because they're not grown they're not adults yes true and so <laughs> yeah. you know if if you can't uh, this is i know this is uh, this is a hard test okay There's 16 tough things to do for somebody who's not an adult but if you are an adult and you really do love your partner most of this shouldn't be too hard now i want to include the other test can i make can i run through that one Yes, sir. It's called the Marriage Thrivers Skill Test, and it's got uh, 11 questions. I'm just going to go real quick down them, and then we can talk about them. Um, this is, if, you really, if you're already married and you want to thrive in your marriage, you want it to be more than survival, you need to be able to do these. Do you and your partner affirm each other at least 20 times for each negative comment? I said that one before. That was on the other side. Do you you affirm each other 20 times for each negative at least? Number two, do you affirm each other daily? Is it something that goes on every day in your relationship that you're saying positive things to each other? Uh, Sonny and I had had a couple over for dinner last night, and the couple was talking about things. They've been just together for a year, but they were talking about how they have picked up positive things from each other. And they were sharing them. And so I thought that would be a nice thing. And I told Sonny a couple of things that I picked up from her in our relationship. And then she said some things to me. And it was a nice it was a nice moment sitting at the dinner table where we were all kind of sharing the positive things about each other. And that that needs to be a regular if if it's every day, it's gonna make it really good. Do you affirm each other daily? Number three, is emotional vulnerability a daily part of communication? When people close their hearts and they're defended and they're shut off to each other, they're not going to thrive in their relationship. So it doesn't mean you've got to break down and cry every day. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about being open-hearted, open-hearted. Number four, do words really matter? Now, we all know that you gave a good example of it a few minutes ago. Our words and our tone make a powerful difference in the effect we have on our partners. My attitude is there are no throwaway words in a relationship. Everything I say counts. Everything I say counts. And the tone of my voice counts all the time. And, you know, you can even communicate a tone in a text. You know, it can happen. And so... If Are we paying attention to the words that we use? I think words are one of the most powerful things in relationships are the words that we use and the tone we, we, we couch them in. It's really important. That's number four. The words really matter. Number five, is sex almost always about making love? I, that was sort of part of the other one. Number six, do you consider your loving relationship precious? I Everybody who's married would say, when they fell in love, they married that person, they would say, yeah, they're precious. But I'm talking about, do you really treat that person that way? That's important. Number seven, do you consider your loving relationship primary? It is a big one for a lot of guys, but some women too. Is it more important than work, play, or even the kids? I don't mean that those other things aren't important, but is your loving relationship 
if you keep it first, usually all the other stuff is okay. A lot of people put work first or their fun first, and a lot of couples put their kids before their loving relationship, and then they have all kinds of problems. So that's number seven. Do you consider your loving relationship primary? Number eight, is anger a rare occurrence? I mean, not very often is it rare, anger. Number nine, this is somewhat related to the other other question and the other test. Is your loving connection more important than being right? You know that there's a, that statement, the question that's been passed around for about 20 years. It says, um, would you rather be right or happy? It's a good question to ask. So is your loving connection more important than being right? Number 10, are you consistently responsive to your partner? Being responsive means they communicate something and you have a response. The re- I read some research last year that said this is a crucial part of happy couples. If it, for example, couples outside walking the dog together and it's night and they look up and one says, boy, hon, it's a beautiful moon tonight. If the other partner says, yeah, it's really beautiful, I thought it was great, that's a sign of a really healthy, happy relationship. Sometimes people have nothing to say to their partner. They're walking the dog, one looks up at the moon, which is beautiful, and says that, and the other person says, oh, and keeps going or changes the subject. That's a sign of a relationship's got a problem. So are you consistently responsive? Some people in my business, think that that is a massively important characteristic. And number 11, last one, do you avoid habituation? Now, what that means is, what that means is I was walking around, almost fell down. I got so excited about that one. Do you avoid habituation means are you overdoing habits in your relationship in any area so much? Do you do everything the same so much that you get desensitized to it? That can be from everything in the bedroom to what you do in the morning to how you talk on the phone or the notes you send each other. Habits have a way of disconnecting us from behavior. And so being a little out of the ordinary every once in a while adds some spice to a relationship. That's 11. How would you do? You there? Yeah. You go to sleep on me? No. When I got to no, habituation? I was... <laughs> no, I was just listening to what you were saying. I was just trying to figure. I wasn't trying to figure out nothing, actually. I was just paying attention. But we do have How another do you avoid... call. Oh, let's, we had let's another, see. We let's... had another caller, and I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. But let's see, let's see who we have here. 718, you're on. It's me again, the little old lady. Of course, Hi, I've got something to say. I tell my say. husband every day lovingly that he's a moron. Is that okay? <laughs> it's very loving. I tell him, you know what? You're a moron. <laughs> and I say it in a nice way. So we've been together 30 years. So I guess it must be working. <laughs> anyway, you Matthew, be glad I think a lot of men act like their fathers. What? You gotta remember, some men act like their fathers, and they can't get out of that habit. They we act, do if their act fathers like our were fathers grumpy, we or their fathers choice. were unloving, they will have that in them too. So they wouldn't have to need some therapy with you before they could reach compassion, because they're only acting like their fathers did. That's all they know, you know. Well, so, I think we all start out that way. You know, we we see our role model, and we kind of. Behave like our role model does. That's right, but we don't always have to stay that way if we become aware of it. And you were kidding about the moron thing or not? Uh, I don't think she was. I don't I think she was kidding. I do say that, but I don't do it lovingly. I just <laughs> said you're a moron. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> and also, what I wanted well, at least to add is that you're not hitting it that, with your cane. <laughs> Some people have a lot of kids in trouble. So how could they get past that? I mean, the kids are, somebody's taking drugs or somebody's taking alcohol, somebody's failing school. You can't be loving it when you have all this chaos going on and you don't know what to do because these kids are running rampant, you know. And sometimes it, it, it just, uh, you just snap at each other 
because you both don't know what to do. And it's very hard to be loving unless you're in a situation like uh, you are. You don't, you don't have anybody in the middle of you guys, you know. There's nothing, no force creating a mess or creating you to be angry. So some mothers and fathers are angry because their children are causing chaos in the house and they don't know what to do. So, I'll tell you, you know, what I'll tell them to do. I'll tell window. you. You ready? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I tell them to do. Are you ready? Yes. You have to practice the Medea effect. The who effect? Medea. What's that? You oh, the Medea. Oh. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you have to have the Medea effect. Okay. You, you know who Tyler Perry is? <laughs> Joan. Uh, yeah. I'm talking to you. Do you know who Tyler Perry is? You don't know? You have to go on the internet and look up Medea and Tyler Perry. And he's got a bunch of plays and movies out, and he plays this woman named Medea, and she really knows how to deal with problem kids. And she's beautiful at it. And I think, yeah, I know this is this is comedy, but he has some massively wonderful ways of treating teenagers. And I think he can give some really good advice. He, she, because he plays a woman. You I know have, who I'm talking I about, saw right? His move. I saw his movie, so I know what mm-hmm. you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. basically, it's basically his attitude would have been get your shit and get out. <laughs> well, he has he has consequences. One of the things that uh, a lot of parents don't have with their children are appropriate consequences for behavior. So if there's no consequences, why should they change? And that's true about marriage, too. If you keep calling somebody a moron, then you know what they're going to do? They're going to act more like a moron to get you back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, it is. Uh, Anyway, um, you better cut it out. <laughs> I know you stopped hitting him with the pan, so I know you said, <laughs> was it last week or the week before you were talking about hitting somebody with what, the pan? What, you can't do that. Did you say did you say pans or the pans? Pan, pan. Pan, oh, pan. pan. pan and cane. What have I got in my hand? Phone, cane. Okay. You know, what have I got? I, okay. All right, no guys. Depends, I love your so. show, my mind. Very good show. Keep Thanks on going. Calling, Joe. Bye, Joe. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye, dear. You said pan. I thought you said the pen. Well, that's my southern accent. Sometimes it gets uh, hit him with the pens. Yeah, I thought she was real being real violent. <laughs> She's dangerous. She's funny. I uh, know. Boy, boy, boy. Violence in the senior citizen home, boy. What next? Yeah. So if anybody was listening to us and would like to get a copy of either or both of these tests that I have, if they'll just send me an email at dra at mattcoyote.com. It's dra at m-a-t-t-c-o-y-o-t-e dot com. Dr. A at mattcoyote.com. I'll send it for free or they can go to my website theresurrectionofromance.com and find my email there but um, I I think these kind of things are helpful if people I mean a lot of people are going to not do so great on these tests and they're already married or they're really thinking about it and they're not going to stop because they didn't pass my test but I'm saying use it as a way to give yourself some guidance if you look at all 11 of these and, and you pick one or two and just work on it, it makes a difference in a relationship. So it can be used as guidelines rather than a test. Um, if you're already there, you know, as I said before, most of us get married. For some reason, we, we seem, to, seem to want to do that. Well, like I said earlier in the show, a lot of us well, were taught from – Childhood, you know, that was the thing mm-hmm. to do. You grow up, you, yeah. you get married, you get a family, you get a good job, you have kids, mm-hmm. and, and you just live happily ever after. I mean, that's <laughs> what we're taught from from the very yeah, beginning, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, we don't know, you know. We just kind of go and buy and do what we see. Yeah, and I, you know, my attitude is is that as you know, a, a romantic relationship that's in full blossom that's really being dealt with in a really great way is like about the best thing you can have in this life. So it's really incredible. But these are some of the things that we pay attention to can make it really great. 
make it really great. So, you know, for your next three or four, you know, you could keep going with this and learn some stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, again, I definitely want our listeners to take heed because there's definitely good pointers and a good exercise is there for all to uh, pay attention to. And I'm sure our listeners will be able to take some things away from this to help enhance their lives and, and their relationships because it was all good stuff. We we ought to mention, too, because I happen to know what it is right now. Next week we're going to have the title of the show is called My Sister is a Narcissist. And we're going to be talking about narcissism. And I think that that's a really great uh, topic particularly today with what's going on politically. And we're not really going to be talking political so much, but getting into how do you live your life or, or have relationships when someone really is caught up in, in a narcissistic attitude or way of relating in life. And I think it'll be a lot, very interesting to a lot of people. So I hope people will tune back in with us next week. Yep. Come back and join us, everybody. And between now and then, Yours truly is going to personally work on his communication skills. <laughs> He's doing good so far. <laughs> Get out of my way. I don't want to hear that mess. <laughs> Come back and join us next week, 2.30, Canada Play okay. Play, blogtalkradio.com. Yes, sir. Okay. Take say care man. of yourself. All right. Talk to you soon, everybody. Come back, 2.30, next Sunday. PST.